Episode 76 of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by Omnipod. If you're thinking about a new way to take control, you are not alone. Check out myomnipod.com to learn more about the world's only tubeless insulin pump. I didn't know a lot about Kent when, when I set the podcast up, other than a lot of you really seemed to love him. And when I got him on and spoke to him for an hour, I got to tell you, I, I understand why now. You know, Kent told me that he just woke up one morning with the feeling that he wanted to change the world, and he didn't really know how to do it. So he looked around for someone who needed help, found them, and now today he goes all over the country spreading the word about type 1 diabetes awareness. I don't know if I'm saying his name right ever, Snackenberg. I feel like there's a sh, a sh in there, but then I hear him say snack. By the way, wait to hear how deep Kent's voice is. It's beautiful. You're going to love this episode. This man is an inspiration. Towards the end of the episode, Kent will share where he is going to be next in the country, somewhere where you guys can stop by and say hi to him. Please tell him you heard about him on the podcast. Give him a big hug. If you're coming in from Kent's Facebook page, please subscribe to the podcast to get more fantastic conversations like this one about type 1 diabetes. Nothing you hear in the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Now let's talk to Kent. Hey, my name is Kent Snackenberg. I live in Emporia, Kansas, and I started Team Snack Cycling about a year and a half ago. Okay, so the first question already done, because while we were working on technical things, I sat over here trying my best to try to figure out what the N-A-K in the middle of your name, how it would how it would be pronounced. Uh-huh. And I wanted to say snack, kept saying snack, but that's not it, right? No, it's snack. It's snack. That's snack. Snackenberg. Snackenberg. I guess. See, I had it. And so, Kent, you are one of those people who I got a ton of emails about. And people kept saying, you have to have Kent come on the podcast. You have to have Kent come on the podcast. And I was like, oh, okay. So um, I, I reached out to you, not knowing a whole lot about you. Um, but then we spoke for a couple minutes on the phone. And I thought, wow, these people are right. We should definitely talk to Kent. Um, so let's start with this. You have no personal, like, I mean, you have a personal connection to type 1 diabetes, but it's not you, right? It's not you or an immediate family member that has type 1. It's an extended family member? Uh, yes, sir. It's uh, my niece, Michelle, um, my younger brother, Mike, and his little girl. And uh, they live in Houston, Texas. And she was diagnosed at the age of 14, and she's getting ready to turn 21 this year. But as this thing has evolved, and I feel like, you know, all the kids in the world and all the parents and all the families are my connection. I've just, I've kind of taken it all on, you know, for myself. It just keeps me focused that way. And so you really are sort of the true kind of definition of an advocate that was born through, through just seeing somebody else live with type 1 diabetes. Well, I mean, the way this started was I uh, turned 60 years old last year. And just before then, I started you know, I woke up and I told my wife that I need to go change the world and I needed a cause. So I, um, I looked around my family and the only person in my family that had any kind of a disease was um, my niece. And it was type 1 diabetes. We knew she had diabetes. Um, she had been diagnosed, you know, a few years ago. I didn't know anything about it. So I just took that on as my cause and um, just it's kind of evolved from there. So if you don't mind, I guess, talking a little more personally, uh, what what do you think where did that come from? Where did that feeling like I need to do something? Is it, was it an age thing? Was it where you were? Um, I think it was just, um, I'm, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to get religious on everybody, but I do think it's some kind of a mission from God. I mean, it's just something, a different way I felt since that day. You know, it's, you know, I feel it every day. I just feel like every day when I wake up, I'm going to change the world and, you know, and, and change people's lives. It's, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's, to, to live with this and I just um, hope everybody gets a chance to feel this way because it really pushes yeah it, it's really added something to your life personally yeah I mean I have a great life I've had a great life but this is just this is just this opportunity has evolved for a reason I mean the, the, the things that have happened to people I've met the context I've met it's everything does happen for a reason and I've always believed that I continue to so so when you wake up that morning feeling like you need to change the world that's a that's a pretty tall order. So, what's the first step? You know, after you identify someone to help, what's the first step you take? I mean, how do you decide how to change the world? I guess. 
Well, I mean, the world's kind of jacked up. Everybody knows that. And you change the world just by helping people. I mean, my, I have a mission statement, Team Snack, and it's helping others, inspiring others to do what I'm doing in their cause. If everybody would do that, the world's going to get better quickly. And I, a lot of times in my life, as I look back, I think I should have done that, or I should have stopped and talked to that person, or I should have done this. And, and now I do it every day. I reach out every day, everybody I meet, you know, with not only with this cause, but if I see somebody that needs help you know, with a cancer driver, with an ALS driver, whatever, I, I, I just try to help them. And I just try to encourage people. That's why I have such, I, I put such a big presence on social media because I want people to see that I'm out there doing it. And that way, when I do want to talk to them, when I want to ask them for a donation or when I go talk to the group, they know I'm serious. Yeah, right. And, and plus, it's it, there's no better way to, to spawn more advocacy than to let someone see yours, too. I yeah, and... And I'm not even saying I use the word advocacy as much as I use the word being yourself and just being proactive. And um, I, I think an advocate to me is the person that goes to Washington and talks to senators, congressmen. I'm just trying to do it in a grassroots level to um, to make the world aware, you know, of the of type one diabetes, make the world aware of the symptoms. I mean, my big hashtag I'm using now is alert the world. I mean, I. I don't want to stop until everybody in the world knows the symptoms of this disease to stop senseless deaths uh, from misdiagnosis or undiagnosis. And that's my number one thing I go out to every day, uh, hand out the sheets. You know, I've got the symptoms on my truck and now I've got on my business cards and everybody I talk to. That's that's what I lead with. Instead of just asking people for money, I want people to know what I'm asking them, you know, the, what the money is for and, you know, the you know what JDRF is, for instance, and what the cause is and what my mission is. Yeah. You just, you, it sounds like you're just putting good stuff into the world and, and, and hoping it comes back. And it sounds like it is. So, so that first step, like, how do you decide? I'm good because what you, how do you, I mean, what's the main way tell people the main way you, you create this, this awareness? Well, I mean, it's kind of, um, I mean, if you look back and you've kind of at my Facebook page and stuff, you see it, it started with, you know, doing a ride, ADRF. Um, with my brother Mike for my, for my uh, niece Michelle, and it was in Lake Tahoe, and then I loved it so much. There was one uh, in Tucson. It was the last ride of the year. There were seven rides. I went to that one by myself because my brothers couldn't go. And they, at the end of the rides, they give out a couple jerseys. There, you know, the what it, each ride they do this, but they pick somebody for a Spirit Award, and I ended up winning that. I had no idea what it was at that time. I didn't really know a lot of people there. There was probably three hundred riders. So that night at the dinner. Um, they called my name and I went up on stage and I will never forget, you know, that feeling of looking out um, the crowd of 100 people. And I saw those eyes looking at me and it, it was that, that was really the defining moment when I knew this is what I needed to do. I needed to help these people. And um, so I just told them right then, I said, I'm going to do all seven rides. Next. So I was kind of, you know, stuck with it there, but I was so excited. And on the way home on the plane, um, I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, you know, because I've been reading about a couple of kids that have passed away from misdiagnosis and they were becoming pretty national stories on social media and it bothered me. And I thought, well, there's really no reason for that. If yeah, I didn't know the symptoms, I didn't. I do now and I want other people to know them. So I thought if I'm going to do that, I'm going to just spread awareness along the way. So I might as well drive to all of them. I'm going to try to hit all the 48 lower states. And so I thought I need a truck. So I went home and told my wife, she goes, you just got a new truck. <laughs> I'm black. So. I, and then it came up with this idea for logos and, you know, in, in the truck. And so I just took off. I ended up going through 47 states and I did all seven national rides and we raised and donated somewhere in the neighborhood of $150,000. Wow. Wait, and, and all that money goes on to, from there. All that money goes to the JDRF. Is that where you send your donation money? Um, I'm committed. Yeah. So far, that's what I've done is I've, I've sent the money to JDRF. I have actually those sponsored 10 kids last year in um, ADA camps. And um, I have plans next year to um, start my own foundation, which I've signed papers for, and then I will fundraise to that foundation. It'll be called Team Snack Strong. And that will give me the ability to continue to sponsor, you know, riders at JDRF, kids to camp for ADA, and then just if I meet families that need help financially to just go to their doctor visits and stuff, if they would live two or three hours away, I'd have the ability to help them also. I just I want to build this fund into something um, I can pass on, you know, to my grandchildren down the road, my kids, and, um, you know, just try to teach them that you can make a difference in the world. That's amazing. Did your wife come along with you? 
she um, last year she went to uh, one ride with me, and this year she already went to one. We did one together in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and she is going to fly down to the ride in Amelia Island, Florida. And the cool thing about that is she's bringing our uh, one of our grandchildren, our six-year-old granddaughter, her name's Tatum, and she's been really involved in this. She wants to be involved so bad, and she's helped a lot with sending out fundraising letters, and she, uh, she likes to talk to her kids at school about it and stuff, and her friends. I can't wait to have her down there to volunteer to meet a lot of the people with JDRF. I mean, it's a great organization. The ride program is fantastic. I've done now 11 rides, and I've done 10 in a row. Got five more this year, and the people in it are great. The people that run it are uh, always have, you know, I enjoy riding the bike, but I just enjoy the contact with meeting so many people at the rides from all over the country that I've connected with on social media and finally get a chance to meet. Yeah. Were you a bike rider prior to picking up this cause? Uh, not really. I'm still not a cyclist. I have a big old mountain bike that's logoed out and I take to the rides, and I've been able to do 100 mile rides, um, but. I am. Not, I would never call myself a cyclist. I just I ride for passionate reason, and um, it seems to will me to get to the end. It's if I'm last, fine, or if I'm next to last, fine. But uh, or if I finish 20 miles, there, you know, it's there that I'm meeting people. I'm spreading um, this mission, raising money, and and that's really thing. And it just giving hope to these kids. Kent, how are you able to do this? Are you retired? Do you have a, an, an amazing employer? Do you own your own business? How does how does how how do you afford the time? Uh, it's kind of all of those. I've um, been in a business, the same job for 42 years, started when I was 19 years old, and it's a company called Navarat Office Products. A lot of office furniture and clothing and special advertising. And uh, my father had the business when I first started out of high school and then um, a friend of mine that we worked together forever we bought it from my father and had it for about 20 years and then about four years ago a young family moved back to our town and wanted to buy a business so we sold we're selling it on a contract for a few years and but I, my staff has been with me forever and my they're ever for me where i'm gone i was gone 65 days last year and i'll be gone approximately 65 days this year traveling the country and my customer base unbelievable they support me they all everybody knows them Everybody knows where I am every day. All I have to do is look at Facebook and uh, or Instagram, and and that way they can follow me and they can be a part of the journey. I mean, there is much a part of this. My family and my you know my employer now and my friends and my customers are they're with me on the journey. I think about them all the time. Without them, I couldn't do it. That's yeah. I was just thinking it, it's all those people are supporting what you're doing. Honestly, um, have you met? Now, I know you've met at the rides people who are touched by type 1, but do you have more local friends now? Like, have you met more people in real life, in your in your day-to-day life at home that, that have type 1? Have people come out of the woodwork to tell you, you know, I have it or, or friends? Oh, yeah. it's unbelievable. I mean, so many of my customers, peers and kids, have, you know, once they started learning about me and I started wearing the clothing and driving the truck around, yeah, they just come forward and say, you know, I'm type one. Thanks for what you're doing. I meet families every day. I just had two families yesterday that contacted me, and one of them's a couple hours from here, and one's an hour from here. We heard what you're doing. Our son or daughter was just diagnosed a week ago, and we'd love to meet you. Can you provide us with help? And one of the things that's been nice with JDRF is as I'm traveling the country, I mean, basically half the world has my cell phone number, and the rest of it will get it soon, but people just call me. Because uh, I say, well, I'm traveling through Ohio today or Pennsylvania, and they say, you know, we live in this town of Pennsylvania, and we love to connect with JDRF. Can you help us? And so I just pick up the phone and call the local chapter, the state chapter, and I said, we'll need your help. And they immediately will call them back and help them. And, I, and so I've been able to bring a lot of people into the JDRF family. I mean, for instance, three weeks ago, I think, or four weeks ago, we had JDRF night at the Kansas City Royals. And, um, the Kansas City chapter, which is fabulous, bought uh, 300 tickets, uh, buying 121 of those tickets and give them away just to families I met in the last year, which is an amazing amount of people obviously touched by the disease. But it, I think it's great that 121 people got to go to the Royals game that night. And, you know, for the first time, they were at a JDRF event. And now I'm having a walk to Denver on top of all the rides. And it's going to be called Team Snack Strong, and we'll probably have 100 people there. And they'll get to experience this for the first time, and then they'll be in the family of JDRF. And then it's just more money they're going to raise and, you know, more awareness they're going to raise. And um, it just this thing is growing much faster than I ever thought it would, but I'm extremely happy with it. And um, I have no reason to stop or slow down. I just 
like I said, every day I wake up, I know I'm going to meet somebody or some cool experience is going to happen to me. I mean, I've got stories from basically 48 states of people now and different ways I met them, you know, people just waiting at the truck. I come out of a rest area or, I mean, everywhere I go, <laughs> every McDonald's, every restaurant, every holiday inn I stay in or wherever, I carry a sheet of paper in with the symptoms and I get a picture with them and I tell them what I'm doing and I just know I don't miss an opportunity to anybody and tell them about my mission. Wow. Jeez, Kent, you're that's amazing. I, I, I'm almost speechless because you've just put so much of yourself into it. Can I ask you how your, how does your niece feel how, about what's happened? You know, uh, she's, she's very, very, supportive. uh, my niece, I, I've all the different kids I've met in families. Everybody handles this differently. Some people don't want to talk about it. Some people want to talk about it all the time. She is very quiet. Um, she doesn't want to go to the rides yet. Um, doesn't want to go speak at schools with me like a lot of the families i take to schools and rotary clubs but the thing i love about her is she always sends me a very nice message you know the night before the ride and then what she has done she's at texas a&m university and have a huge freshman class and comes in every year and she is the head of the program that welcomes those students and puts them through these camps and teaches them all the rules about texas a&m and how to and, and so what she has done then is she knows all these people are trying to help her with type 1 diabetes. And so what she is doing is trying to help another cause. And so that's the whole mission behind the Team Snack Theory is just everybody help the cause they believe in. So she's just taking it and paying it forward to somebody else, which I think is very cool. Yeah, that's, a, that's really something. So maybe you can put something into words that I struggle to put into words. So I, you know, I'm, I can just, this morning, I got a Facebook message from a, from a, a father who just said that he found this podcast soon after his son was diagnosed this year and how much it's helped. And he sent me pictures. I don't, and I don't know them. You know, he sent me pictures. They're on vacation. His son's in the surf and he's talking about, you know, he's wearing the insulin pump. You told us about, he's wearing the glucose monitor. You told us about everything's going great. I just wanted you to know, um, you know, how much the podcast means to me. And there's this feeling that I feel, I feel like I'm being helped more than he feels like he's being helped. And, but I, I always struggle to make that a cogent thought and you obviously have that going on in your life. So can you explain to people what it feels like to help someone else? Well, um, first of all, I, I get a little bit emotional. I'm, it's just, um, <clears throat> because even thinking about this, you know, when I, when I get these messages, you know, talking to me and, uh, here it was like three weeks ago. I spoke at a funeral for a 30-year-old young man um, that had passed away from undiagnosed type 1. I've been in town about an hour from here, but his mom lives here, and I really had never met him. But right away, some people said, you know, need to get a hold of Kent. And, and so she got a hold of me, and I went over her house and visited her. And, um, you know, I just talked to her about what I was doing, and she just kept saying, I wish I'd have known, I wish I'd have known. And, you know, so I just told her, I said, you know, the only way that I can honor your son to, um, you know, continue doing what I'm doing. I said, would you let me speak at his funeral? She said, I would love that. So I got in front of a hundred people and, you know, I knew a few of them because it is my hometown, but it's a big enough town and I'm 61 years old. So there's a, a lot of people there I didn't know. And I just told them about the mission. I, you know, held up a sign with the symptoms and I said, you know, this young man, you know, passed away from it because people didn't know this. I said, it's important for the world to know this. And I said, you can help me honor him by you know, continuing to spread this message, telling people about this. And I got eight or 10 different messages that night from people at the funeral that I didn't know. They just said, thanks for what you're doing. And, you know, it was great to hear you speak. So, I mean, that's just one case. But as I travel the country and go into these people's homes, um, it's amazing. Um, you know, I have these shirts in all you know, 50 states, probably 18 countries that I've sent people that, you know, anybody that gets a hold of me and says, you know, my family's type one. We'd love to have one of your shirts. This time it's, you know, we can't afford a donation. I said, I could care less. I mean, I've worked hard my whole life. So I just sent them the shirts and, you know, sending shirts overseas is $20 or something. It doesn't bother me to do that because I know that when they get those shirts and they post a picture from, you know, Moscow or from Portugal or from Sweden and they're standing in front of something that people will recognize and they're wearing a Team Snack shirt and they're smiling. I mean, I'm about creating smiles. So, you know, these people, these families live with this every day. And, you know, I think about them at night when I wake up and I think, People are sitting by their beds and they're, you know, they're talking to their kids and they're praying they can get their blood sugars corrected. And so for me just to wake up and be able to send them a shirt or give them a call or stop at their house and just give them hope, 
I mean, I've got so many stories, but one of the ones I, I use a lot when I'm, um, you know, talking to service clubs or schools is about a family in uh, Salt Lake. I spent the night at a house of a, one family that I'd gotten got to know and felt very comfortable staying there. And that next morning I got a call and said, would you please stop by? My daughter would love to meet you, but it has to be before she gets to school. And I said, I'll be there. So I get in my phone like I do everything else and drove over there. And I walk in this house and um, a little boy answers the door and just says, come in. And he leaves. So I'm standing in this house in this living room, people I don't know. And there's, I hear them all trying to get ready for school. And all of a sudden around the corner comes this little dart. And it's this little six-year-old girl, and she's in her um, nightgown, and she goes, Mom, it's Team Snack. And, you know, I've never met these They follow me on social media, and uh, she just grabs my hand, and she takes me back to the bedroom. And she said, look at you. And so on the wall, there's this, you know, drawing of a guy, big, tall guy on a bike, and she goes, it's you. God, I'm telling you, tears are just, like, streaming down my face, and I'm thinking, this is one of those moments. And she looks up, and she goes, hey, where's my shirt? <laughs> so it's just like <laughs> broke out laughing and the moment went on got a shirt uh, we took a picture in front of the truck holding her and um you know gave her a big hug and in 15 minutes she was off to school and just and that um later that night then i think i ended up in vegas that night my days kind of run together but i got a message from her and she said just thank you so much she heard school she's wearing it to bed you know she won't take it off and tonight she said um you know instead of reading a book let's just look and see where Team Snack is. And I've heard that from more than one family that at night they pull out the computer and they say, here's this, you know, here's where he is and look what he's doing. And it's just, she just ended it with give us hope. So, you know, that's, that's what this is all about. I'm not smart enough to be a doctor, you know, or a researcher, but I do have this ability to reach. God gave me this ability and I'm not going to waste it. So I'm going to continue on, you know, doing it this year. And um, it's an everyday mission for me. Well, I, first of all, people who listen to this podcast will know that I don't usually sit quiet as long as I just did. Uh, it was, it's hard to, it's hard to even know what to say. I mean, as somebody who has a child with type one diabetes and somebody who's also trying to, you know, on some level do things similar to what you're doing, it, it's just, it's amazing to see the scope that you've brought it to in such a short amount of time. I mean, it really is. And then the fact that you're just throwing yourself into it as you are, I mean, honestly, to show up at someone's house who you don't know just because they asked is it's a major undertaking. You know, I mean, moving around the country the way you are, the amount of effort and time and, and your, your cost is just I mean, it's kind of overwhelming to hear you say there was a couple of times while you were talking that I, I thought I was going to cry. You said you were going to get emotional. I'm over here thinking I'm like, I'm what's going to happen to me. Um, I, you know, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing, and, and I'm sure everyone feels the same way when they're when they're when they're seeing or hearing you. I mean, so so your your main focus is about is about undiagnosed diabetes. Like you really are just trying to get out the 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 signs and the symptoms so that people know so that when they when this is happening to them, they don't think they have the flu. They 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 might understand what's going on. Well, I mean, that's where I think it has to start with, and I. Uh, and I can't change national organizations and how they think because I know raising money is very important. But I, you know, to be able to raise as much money as I have, I think I have a good plan, and I think you lead with awareness and about the symptoms. And I, I just know that I have a lot easier time walking up to somebody and saying, "I'd like to. Would you mind giving me a check for a hundred dollars to JDRF?" And first, their question is, "What's JDRF?" And it's for type one diabetes. Well, what's type one diabetes? And so you lose the effect right there. And if you can educate people to what you're trying to raise money for, I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I get a $500 check or a thousand dollar check with a nice note from a kid I went to high school with back in the seventies. You know, I'm so proud of what you're doing and keep up the good work. And just there's the check. And just because they found out what I'm doing and they know I'm, and I think people are more, you know, I think people are more welcome to, Sending me donations or giving me donations, I ask for it because they can they can just pick up their phone or look on the computer every day and know I'm out there and they know I'm fighting the fight and I'm not just writing you know sending a check off to society where you don't know where it goes. They know it goes to me and they know I hand it to the Kansas City office and it goes into JDRF and then they know it goes to research. Yeah, no, I mean obviously with the amount of effort you're putting in, there's there's a trust that you're building with people. Yeah, right. you probably don't even have to ask them for the money. I would imagine at yeah, some point. It, it just come and I, I think that everybody would be well served in their in their whatever their fight is or whatever their cause is to to try it a little bit more that way rather than just 
than just walk up or you know send letters or walk into a store and hand a letter. Just talk to them a little bit about how important it is to you and what are the reasons you feel passionate about it. And it just it 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 makes them be a part of it. I mean, those people that are sending me money know that they're a part of this movement now. I mean, I call it a movement or a mission or a cause, whatever you want, but they know they're a part of it. And when they're wearing those shirts around, I mean, I cannot tell you how many com- comments I get about. I, I mean, they're obviously pretty cool shirts, you know. I got a whole line of superstore now, basically, of clothing and hats and cups. Every penny of that money, yet when I sell those things, I give it just give the to Jader if I'll pay the cost of all the goods and bother me to do that. I just but that lays you know when they're wearing those or carrying those cups, or taking those bags around the country on vacation, it just spreads a message again about awareness of this disease. Yeah, yeah, and jeez, I, I mean, it, it couldn't be a more misunderstood disease to be perfectly honest among people who don't know and you know i think that when i when i look back on some of the first reasons that i started a blog which i somebody just reminded me the other day it's been now nine years ago it was just the idea that i hope that one day if my daughter ever needed anything and she was out in public and not with anybody that there'd be somebody around who would understand type 1 diabetes a little bit and you know that that idea of just trying to get the word out and let people understand better because it really is can it really is a difficult thing to do you know it's difficult to try to get a stranger to care listen and understand about something that not only do they have no connection to but they probably in their heart think they're never going to see in their own life anyway And, and and that's a that i think is a testament to the kind of person you are because that that anyone's willing to sit around and listen to you even is you know what I mean? Like, like you know, it's people rush around all day long, and nobody feels like they have time for anything. So there's got to be something about you. I'm assuming there's there's a uh, charisma that I'm seeing that your wife probably wouldn't admit exists. But but you know, and but but um, but there's something about you that that holds their attention. And I, you know, you can say it's the logos and the stickers and the truck, but I, I bet it's you. Well, let's look at it like this. This is how it happens. I mean, I pull up everywhere I go. I park that truck where the most people can turn, where the most people can see it. I walk in McDonald's and I just walk over to, you know, in McDonald's in the morning, there might be 15 or 20 older gentlemen and women that are having coffee. And I just walk up to them and say, hey, who wants to be a hero? And they look at you kind of funny and they see my, you know, they see my shirt and halftime. I'm in flip flops and they see my toes are bright yellow painted because I wear that. Where it attracts attention, they say, "What are your toes painted for?" And I said, "Because I'm on a." And I start out every conversation with this. I'm on a nationwide tour. For type one diabetes awareness, and then they'll start listening. And if you, and then of course, I walk up to the gal behind a McDonald's camera. I said, you know, if you would hold this sign and put it in your break room, I'll give you a pair of these cool Team Snack sunglasses. Well, sure, I will. And then nine times out of ten, I said, well, you know, my niece is type one, or I know somebody else is type one. I said, well, you know these symptoms? Well, not really. I said, well, just go back in your room there, and when your employees come in, say, please learn these symptoms because as young as you are, it is going to affect somebody in your family. And if you know this, you can save lives. I mean, I. I honestly think what I'm doing, well, I, I know what I'm doing is saving lives, and it's going to save more lives. And I kind of, when I talk to different people about this, I, I kind of think, well, I might be missing something here, but if you save all these kids that are dying and all these young adults that are dying, well, then they're going to get involved with JDRF or the AD, and they're going to raise money. They're going to do walks, and they're going to do rides. I mean, it's just pretty simple in my mind that we start with that. be more people to raise more money. I mean, it's a shitty disease to live with. I know that just from talking to my brother and sister-in-law and talking to all these different families, but just are welcome. They got that chance rather than lose their child. I mean, when you talk, you talk to so many people, Scott, and obviously your podcast is, is great because I heard about it from several people back East when I was traveling through New York and they, you know, I hear the same thing. We were just lucky. We were just lucky. Well, I'm ready to take luck out of the equation and, you know, and, and use knowledge. I mean, there's no reason people can't learn these. It's, it's not that hard, and once you learn them, <clears throat> you'll recognize it. And all you have to do is if you're at a family reunion, if the person next to you says, well, we couldn't bring our son, he's got the flu, and it's terrible flu. You know, he's dehydrated, and he's drinking, he won't. Think how powerful that would be if you could just turn to him and say, you know, you need to call them and get them in the emergency room right now. Right now. You cannot wait. you just got to get a blood check. And, and I see all these people around the country trying to make it a law, or make it at least common sense, that when a child comes to emergency room or goes to a doctor's visit, just Prick their finger and get a blood test. I mean, I know that must be something pretty difficult. It seems simple to me, but I can't tackle all of that at once. I try to keep focused on my mission. Um, I hope that 
Right, what I'm doing will lead to some of that. But just if you save all these kids, then you get more people involved trying to find a cause or a cure and, and a better lifestyle. But plus the fact you don't have all these grieving parents. There's just there's no reason for it. I guess I, 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 I think they're senseless deaths to the standpoint of if people knew it, if people know about it, they, they won't happen. But it just takes a while to get that word out. And I'm just trying, I, I don't have time to wait. I mean, I am 61. I feel great. But I, every year, I, every day, I just want to reach more people. I mean, 100 people a day or 1,000 people a day or whatever. And it just will multiply for me. No, I understand that feeling. I really do. I, if, I, if I get a note back from a family, this, you know, it, I can tell the podcast continues to pick up steam because this week alone, I think I've heard from six people. Who are all saying, you know, very similar things. I've been listening to the podcast. My my son or my personal A1C has gone down like two points in three months, and and it's that kind of feeling when you when you hear that. There is that part of you that says, "Oh, six people, that's great. I wish it could be twelve. I wish it was a hundred. You, you know, you know. I, I I wonder how to to help. Like, how does this help more and more people? It becomes it does become like a very passionate feeling. I I have to. Um, you know, I have to ask you, do you know any real, do you know numbers? Like, do you know how many people do pass from undiagnosed type one onset? Well, um, what, what, what's happened now, which I'm, I'm, I welcome whenever it seems like when, um, there's people around the country that are children that, you know, that, that, that passes a lot of times people are just messaging me, you know, we've lost another one can't, or we, and they're just letting me know. And they're just saying, thank you for doing, but we need to do more. And, so there's several. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you've, I'm sure you have followed this story of about, um, you know, Kaisi Terry in Utah and, you know, how her mother and father honored her, not only in so many ways I can't even believe, but they, they set up the kisses for Kaisi's page and they posted basically every day when she was in the hospital and in a coma and how she tried to come back and got home and, you know, got sick again, went back to the hospital and passed away. And, you know, the continued update old stories and just trying to spread awareness and one of the of all the great days before kent tells that story about one of his great days it's time for an ad look i could sound cheesy and say do you want to wear the same insulin pump that my daughter wears it would sound like every other ad you ever heard but i'm not going to do that to you you don't deserve that you don't need to be pandered to this is an ad it's not a it's not an insult here's what i can tell you my daughter's been wearing an omnipod tubeless insulin pump for so many years now, I have lost track. I'm gonna go out on the limb and say like seven years maybe. We love it. I mean, genuinely love it. It's amazing. I, little things that you might not think of as big things, but you don't have to take it off when you jump in the shower. So you're still getting insulin while you're showering. That goes for while you're playing sports or working out or you know doing anything. The tubes don't get caught on things because there are no tubes. Door handles, cabinet, you know, uh, little cabinet drawer pulls, you know, oh, infusion set flying across from does not happen with the Omnipod. Plus, you know, when you're involved in activity and you get a little boost of adrenaline or something like that, you give yourself a little, a little bit of insulin. Bang! If you're disconnecting for sports or other activities, you don't have that kind of control. And I, you know, it's not an overstatement to say my daughter's A1C is. We're very proud of it. It is. It is good. A part of that is the ability to continue to get basal insulin while she's showering, while she's swimming. It's the ability to be able to jump out of the pool, have a snack, give yourself some insulin, jump back in the pool. It's the ability to be able to do that same thing when most people who have tubed insulin pumps are disconnected from their pump. And I'm just telling you, there's a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons to want an Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. But for me, that, that's one of the big ones, not having to disconnect. It really is huge myomnipod.com forward slash demo they will send you out a free no obligation demo pod you can try it out for yourself now let's get back to kent he said he was going to tell a big story i'd like to hear it i don't know about you hey guys one last thing go on facebook and uh and give kent's team snack facebook page a like and, and say hi to him it's team the classic spelling of team snack s-c-h-n-a-k say hi let him know you heard him on the podcast I think it would mean a lot to him, and it's cool to watch him uh, go around the country and do his thing. Well, one of the days that I'll never forget from last year, I was traveling to Death Valley, California, to do um, JDRF ride number five, I guess it is, of last year. And um, the, um, the Terry family, Josh and Jamie Terry, had lost a, a young lady named her, their little girl named Kaisi. And I'd followed it. People had alerted to me on the social media. They had a 
they have still a Kisses for Kaisi Facebook page that they, when she was misdiagnosed and in the hospital and in a coma and came out and they, they showed pictures of her every day. They talked about her every day. And, um, you know, then she went, she finally made it home and ended up getting sick and went back in the hospital, never got out. And they, they were just, they laid their whole lives out for people and they were just doing it. And they still do just to let people know that about the symptoms and about just try not to have other families go through this. And so I made it a point to try to get a hold of them. And when I was out there, um, driving through the Utah, I found out where they lived and got a hold of them. They hadn't let me come by walking in that house. And just, I don't get nervous at all walking in anybody else's houses, but I felt real, um, a different feeling walking in. Jamie, Dicey's mother, and at the counter, and it, it was a lot like our house. A lot of shirts, boxes, stuff where they'd send them around the country and send them to people and trying to spread awareness and honor their child and uh, just looked at me and and um i'll never forget she just said i'm just so tired i just that's at that moment i didn't know what to say and she goes but i can't stop looked at her and i said well i promise you i won't stop either and she handed me a bracelet that i have on right now and says beautiful pink heart and i just told her i said i'll never take it off and i haven't and i won't and so I have the sticker on the front of my truck down on the lower left hand of the windshield. And as I'm, um, as I'm driving every day, and I see that bracelet and I see that sticker and it just keeps me focused on, you know, it's about saving kids and it's about saving families from going through, you know, what they're going through. And um, it's a pretty powerful feeling, but I think that it's something I can handle. I think it's something I can do. And it just, it's what I do every day of my life. I mean, I have a job, I have a family, I have kids, grandkids. They're well taken care of. They know where I'm at. We talk a lot. I'm, in a, I'm home a lot. They know when I'm on the road, it's for a reason, and they're proud of me, and they support me, and, and that's that's really special. Well, Kent, you're either the greatest guy I've ever spoken to or you're a genius at getting away from your wife in retirement. I can't tell which it is. <laughs> uh, my wife, it's, it's brought us. I mean, we've always had a close relationship, but it's brought us closer because she's in it now. I mean, she... When she goes to the rides, a lot of message talks to people all the time. A lot of people are, call her, and uh, it's it's great having the support. Yeah, she knows that I'm out there for a reason. It could be our kids. It could be our grandkids. I mean, we have four grandkids. It could happen tomorrow. It happened, and I know type one hits many adults as it does kids. I mean, there's things I've learned, and so it could happen to anyone. And no one's safe from this disease. And Obviously, right now, we haven't found a cure for this disease, and I cannot stop this disease, but I sure as hell can get ahead of it, and I can stay ahead of it. And if there's going to be 80 to 100 people that are diagnosed tomorrow, which that's what the stats say, I want those 80 to 100 people to know what the hell's coming at them. I want them to know symptoms so they can save their kids. Then they can fight through this, and then they can raise money and create all these cool things that are coming down the pipeline and have a better life until there is a cure. And I have to believe there's a cure. I have to me going but if until then just saving many people as i can from the agony of losing a child or using, losing a young adult that's very important yeah i think that it, it, it's it can't be it can't be emphasized enough that something that gets said or done will stick with somebody and in that moment when they need that information they're going to have it and and i think back to you know my daughter um arden is um just the other day, my, my wife said, you know, this is the, the, she sent me a text and she's like, this is the day Arden was diagnosed. And we don't really, I know some people celebrate it or, you know, but we don't really, we don't really. So it just kind of came and went and I didn't realize, but it had been a decade, 10 years. Wow. And she was diagnosed a couple weeks after her second birthday and she just turned 12. So wow. I think back on those couple of days and, you know, we were away on vacation we thought Arden was sick. And you look back now at a photograph that was taken of her maybe about six or eight hours prior to us figuring out that she had type one. And I look at that photo now and I think, how did I not realize? Like, look at her. She's dying. She's, she's a, she looks like a zombie. She's a skeleton, you know, and, and she's barely holding herself up. And, and, but at the time, you know, just day to day living, she got sick and you thought, okay, she's sick. And then she, you know, she drank more and you thought, well, that makes sense. She's probably dehydrated. And you, you know, all the things that kept happening were you could write them off in your head. And even though you were paying very close attention to them and it wasn't until 
uh, my wife and I realized that her breath smelled fruity, that it kind of, you know, my wife was like, oh my God, she has type one. And we just knew in a second. Now, Kent, going back over our life, I don't know where the idea of that smell on your breath, you know, where did that idea get to my wife where she knew where she could connect the dots to type one diabetes? You'll never know who the person was that said that to her at some point, And it ends up probably saving my daughter from going into DKA and, you know, God knows what happens after that. And, and so, you know, all the things that you're doing and saying and sharing with people, you know, even if they can't, if they can't give it back to you verbatim afterwards, there's something that sticks with them and then they'll share it with someone else and it'll go on and on. And eventually it reaches a person like me in the moment that I need it. You know, um, it, there's, there's sort of, you know, not sort of, you can't, you can't have a bigger and a bigger impact on somebody. You know, I don't know how much longer my daughter would have stayed standing. And yeah, it's um, you know, we had um, earlier this year in our hometown got a call the newly diagnosed family, and they would love to meet you. And went over there, heard their story, and uh, sixteen month old, sixteen months since December twenty eighth, my own hometown, and you know, went to the doctor, got sent home twice, and um, it was eighteen hours before somebody did a blood test. Finally, uh, Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City. They couldn't fly because of the weather, but they came down here in an ambulance until they had nobody could get an IV in her. They were trying drilling in the back of her knees and everything, and she was just within an hour. They thought of going in a coma, and finally I got to Kansas City, and out of a miracle, one of the nurses up there found a vein. And um, so I'm really close with the family now. He's actually an assistant football coach in Emporia State, and they're very involved with you know now with JDRF and when they're going to be on our walk team and but. If it happens in your hometown, and you know it's down to twenty-five thousand people, it's ha- I know it's happening every day. And like I said before, it's just there's so much luck involved in this. There's no reason for luck. And one of the ways I think I've been able to reach a lot of people is with I have two Facebook pages. And I didn't even know what Facebook was two years ago, but uh, one of the girls that works at Union Facebook page. So I got a personal Kent Snackberg page, and then I have a Team Snack community page. And if your listeners would like to be involved at all with the Team Snack page. Um, on there and you like it and every time you know my wife and i sold a farm a couple years ago when all this started and we had fifty thousand dollars worth of profit and we were going to go buy a big fancy boat and i said i said you know why do we need a boat then everywhere we we can get a boat and we can borrow a boat i said let's just help kids so we i made a pledge uh, to up to ten thousand likes on this page i donate five dollars to jdrf for research and and what i've done with that we've so we got 70 some hundred Bikes on there now. We're trying to get it to ten thousand as soon as possible, and we're going to take that fifty thousand. Basically, has been spent. I mean, we've already done it, but instead of just giving it there, um, we have taken that money and we've sponsored junior riders. Started a kind of this junior rider program where we sponsored fifteen or twenty kids to go to these theater rides around the country, and because they couldn't afford it, it's not that cheap to do these rides. So we gave them a two thousand dollars scholarship, and then they could go to a ride, or if they wanted to raise a little bit more, they could go to a ride and get airfare in it or whatever. But then their family member goes with them, and so there's just two more people that get involved and get to go to these events where there's several hundred people, and then now they, then they can say people care. I mean, they really care, you know. And they, I get a chance to meet them, and most of them, you know, I've sent them shirts and stuff. And they show up at the rides and they're wearing their shirts sometimes, and it's just so cool to meet these families. Um, you know, we're doing helping people with walks. And like I said, I've sponsored kids to go to ADA camps. I got to speak at both of those camps last year, which was awesome and had a chance to dress them. And, you know, in my eyes, I go to a JDRF event, people are wearing blue shirts, which are cool. And I go to an ADA event, they're wearing red shirts, but these kids are just kids. And when they look at me and they say, thank you. And I speak at them and I see their eyes, they're all the same. They're still kids with type one diabetes. And I want to just try to help them because when they grow up, they're going to remember some of this, and then they're going to do the same thing. You know, that the, the cool thing about the ADA camps I went to, the, all the kids that were there, you know, the camp counselors and stuff, were all kids that had been to these camps. They're all type 1 kids, and they want to come back and help. And so I got nice messages from them, and, you know, we're just inspired by what you're doing. And it just it doesn't take a lot to inspire people. You just have to let them know that you're real. And so by building these pages, to all these thousands of people that or ability to let them know where I'm at and what I'm doing and give them ideas on how they can do more and stuff. So it's, it's, I call it Team Snack Nation. I have names for everything, which, you know, like the truck I drive around on the front license plate is T1 Destroyer. And it was named that uh, through a national contest on Facebook. And I asked people to name it. And one of them said, well, you are a T1 Destroyer. So that's what it should be. So that's 
the one that ended up winning. So I had that on uh, the license plate on the front of my truck. And, you know, I call the colors, Team Snack Yellow and Team Snack Black. I mean, my grandkids were going to have to teach them right before they go to school. That's really not how you say it when they go to class. <laughs> For now, that's what we see. We're driving down the road and they see a yellow car. Hey, it's Team Snack car or this. I mean, it's, it's all for a reason. It might sound silly to some people, but it's, you know, I've got now a truck. I've got my bike logo. I just got a golf cart to out. I don't even golf, but I'm <laughs> going to give it to big tournaments around the country and let them use it. And the pros will drive it. And everybody in that course is going to see that and spread more awareness and, you know, more of a mission and let people know what I'm doing. And, I, you know, obviously I would love to get a call, you know, from the Owen show or from, you know, the Today Show. And I've got it. I did get a call from Fox News and I got a call from Discovery Channel and they all say the same thing. You know, we don't know that we're going to use you, but if we would call you, would you let us be a part of this? And I said, hell yeah. You know, I, I, I the way things happen to me, if Ellen calls tomorrow herself and says, hey, you want to come on the show? It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, just because this thing is building and moving and um, I just want if I can get on national shows and hold up that piece of paper and reach millions of people at once, I mean, how powerful could that be? And that's just going to end up raising more money and make it easier for other people to raise money. I mean, I just, when I go to some events and somebody raise so much money, I'm glad to talk. Tell them my ideas. You have to think out of the box. You have to differently and you have to let people know you really care about the money you're raising, the organization and the reason you're doing it. So I know I talk real fast. <laughs> no, please. I'm from the I'm from the Northeast. I could if I started talking, you wouldn't even understand what I was saying. So I uh, I listen. I can't imagine. I can't imagine that that your your model. I don't want to call it a model because you're not a business. You're not an entity. You're Kent. But but the way you're doing it makes so much sense to me. I mean, the idea of like you just said about about sending a golf cart to to you know golf tournaments or. You know, like I, there's those moments when you realize, like you see those pink ribbons for cancer and you think even if people don't understand the first thing about cancer, they see that pink ribbon and it pauses their brain for a second and they think about people living with cancer. You, you, you know, like like that kind of a feeling, like yeah. just that, that what that does and and how it affects people and gets them motivated to, to do something else. I mean, you're such a force that... You you probably you probably when you leave you pr people probably feel bad about themselves for a couple of seconds as you're as you're walking. Well, you're probably like no, I'm not doing enough. <laughs> you no, know what I, I mean? You know, they're probably like, "Geez, I'm not doing enough." You know, and 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 that's I mean, I I feel like I do my fair share, and and as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking maybe there's more I should be doing. You, well, you know, you got to understand, I'm in a position like a few, like a lot of people aren't, and I recognize that, and that's why. I never blame anybody. I never would want to make him feel good. I mean, I am 61 years old, but I feel great. I'm been blessed with good health. I, I had a job where I'm not rich. I mean, I don't live on a gold mine like a lot of people think, but I made a nice living and I can take that money from this farm sale and from, you know, my job. And I still have income because I still have customers that are buying from me. And so I, I just have the time. I mean, I, everybody has time. Something, but I'm just decided to, I mean, I've just worked 80 hours a week my whole life never thought anything besides work, work, work. And now I can take all that same passion and all that same energy and devote it to this cause. So, and again, I don't have children at home with type one. I mean, I don't expect their first job, take care of your family, take care of your daughter, take care of your son. And, you know, let me, I got big shoulders. I really do. I'm a big guy. I'm six, five. And I don't mind carrying the weight. I really don't. I mean, I, if I'm the guy that needs to lead the world awareness to her. I will. I mean, I call it right on the side of my truck. It says type one diabetes awareness to her on both sides of the truck. And like I said, that's what I always lead in with. Well, tell me what this is. I said, I'm on a nationwide tour for type 1 diabetes awareness, and I'm going to start saying I'm on a worldwide tour because I am. I mean, I think about America and how many families are affected, and I think about the African countries and some of the countries. God, what happens over there? They probably just, kids probably just die. I mean, they, it's hard enough to get health care over there, let alone, you know, somebody recognize these symptoms. So it's, they can't stop here. It's got to go all over the world. It's, I'll never forget the one lady, a young lady, her name Susan from uh, Kenya, and she messaged me and she says, "Mr. Snackenberg, I love what you're doing. I'm in Kenya. I can't hardly even get insulin except off the black market. But my daughter and me would love one of your shirts. We can't pay for it. We're so I, I said they're on their way. So I sent shirts eight months ago, basically. This month ago, I got pictures from her. Finally, after eight months, the shirt came. I'd sent three batches of shirts, and I couldn't figure out why they would never get there because in all these other got there. And you know, I, finally somebody said, "Well, you know, probably." They'd been there before to the, you know, one of those towns in Kenya in the post office. And they said, probably are just picking through what they want to keep and, um, you know, letting the rest of the mail go through. And I told her, I said, you need to walk around town. If you see some team snacks, they're yours. And, 
she finally just sent me a message in front of her house, little shanty house, but she had this big smile on her face with team snack shirt on. She goes, thank you. And she continues to stay in contact. You know, she messaged me a day. She goes, I haven't got any more of those shirts yet. I said, well, you never know. Another eight months, that second batch may get there. But, <laughs> but it's just things like that. I have, I just, I have the time, I have the passion, I have the ability. And I, like I said, I think it's a mission and I just don't want to stop. And that's why I'm hoping to get a couple breaks to get on some national shows or you know, get wherever. I mean, I even thought when I go back to California this year, um, you know, I've, I'm scheduling, or people are scheduling a big events around you know, my trips this year. So I'm trying to, every ride, have an event with a lot of families in the area. And so to, obviously to get to all these states last year, I was crisscrossing all these states and stopping and meeting people in every state. And I met this fam- two families in Billings, Montana dinner one night as I was you know, going from Kansas to Denver up there and over to California finally and and they called and said well we you know you're going back to California but we could get a couple hundred people together from Montana to meet you would you think about driving eight hours out of your way I said absolutely so I'm going to go to Denver and then I'm going to go to Billings and do this event and then I'm going to go to Salt Lake City and do another event then I'm going to do death go to Death Valley and do a hundred mile bike ride and the next day I'm driving out to town by LA there's supposed to be a big event of families there that just want to see the truck and you know me me and i got this big tall teddy bear named buddy that i take everywhere and the kids love him and um just take pictures and just meet these families and then take off from there and in three days drive across the country to south carolina stopping and meeting people along the way and do a bike ride there and next saturday go down to Millie, florida finally get to see my wife again and meet them and do a hundred mile ride there and then go back to kansas and then in november i go out to tucson arizona and do the seventh one so it gets really busy from now on, but I'm just kind of like having Christmas every day. I just wake up every day excited. It just makes me feel like I wish there were there were more of you. Like I, you know, the way you're handling it, you know, and the way you're moving around the country and meeting people, I wish there were more people doing what you're doing. And I mean, I realize it's a lot of time. It makes me feel like I wish that a that an entity, a company, could get behind it and sponsor it and and create more people like you. You, you know what I mean? Or because how how far do you drive in a stretch before you before you can't go anymore? Oh, about 16 hours is a long day. Um, And a lot of it depends, to be honest with you, like this time of the year, as long as it's light out, I can keep going. I mean, I I have to take my phone. I try to be careful. Um, When I'm going on these days, I take my phone, I put it clear down in the console, but the whole time it's just buzzing. So whenever I stop, you know, stretch my legs or something, I'll look and see, okay, you're two hours away from us. Would you mind stopping for a minute? You know, if, if it's... When I went to Michigan here a few weeks ago, this family that I had had some contact with on, you know, social media said, if you ever get to Michigan, you know, we'd love to meet you. So I was going to Michigan actually to take pictures of my truck, which is a Ford in front of the national headquarters of Ford Motor Company. They'd invited me up there and this town was about uh, a couple hours away. And I said, hey, if I come over there, would you have dinner? So I drove over there and, um, you know, just another one of those moments of so many different moments. But this little girl's name was Callie. And um, her mom said, you know, she's got some other issues. So she's going to be real quiet, you know, and try get here in a town that was uh, Nunica, Michigan. I mean, it was a very, very small town. It was gravel roads to get out to their house. And, um, you know, this little girl was born with um, the disorder where she's 10 going on 11, but I think she's three or four and she's autistic. And a year and a half ago, threw into mixed type 1 diabetes. And so I, I go up to the house, and um, her sister and her both have their team snack shirts on, which I'd sent them several months ago, and I'd seen pictures of them wearing them. And, you know, and, she, and Callie's sitting there holding this cat. Her sister's running around with her hands up in the air. Hey, Mom, team snack's here. They, first thing, see the truck coming a mile away. <laughs> and her mom comes out, and she's awesome. Her name is Caitlin. And her dad was just pulling up to drive, and they all had their team snacks. So I walk over there, and she just told me, she said, when I messaged her later, she goes, she probably won't talk to you, so don't feel bad. And I walked up, and she goes, hi, Kent. And so her mom, like, looked at me like these big eyes, and she goes, this is my cat. His name is So, like, you're, then you're just best friends. And um, so we went out to eat and just had a great time. We got a picture before I left of her and me sitting up on my truck, uh, just smiling. She had this big smile on her face. And... Earlier um, in the year when I was in, you know, going in through New York for the first time in my life in that truck, believe it or not, I got a message from a lady that's an artist out there, and she has a page called, uh, Instagram page, and all portraits are good, and I just loved some of the pictures that she had done, and so I commissioned her to take a, and paint that picture of that, me and that little girl in the truck, and then she sent it to her with a card from New York to her house, 
and her mom sent me a video and put it on Facebook of her opening the, um, you know, opening that painting of the two of us and now it's in her bedroom. Um, you know, there's families all over the place that I meet. Just, I know that I've, I've touched that family and that family's touched me. And as much as people think I'm given, and I am given a lot, but I'm getting so much more out of it. I mean, I go to bed feeling so good every night. I mean, I, sometimes I can't sleep. I'm never tired, but when I wake up, I am so excited because something's going to happen that day. Something's good. One thing, two things. I'm going to walk into McDonald's and this family's going to be waiting on my truck and they're going to say, we know who you are, your team snack, and we, walk, we follow you on Facebook and thanks for what you're doing. I mean, it's just, I just wish people love the Discovery Channel to go with me for a week or some, or just people to get to go and see what, what this is like and what the feeling's like. And um, it's just, it's hard to describe. It's something that, I'll, you know, my kids will always, they're going to be the same way. I know I'm going to inspire other people. I mean, I, I want, if my wife had breast cancer, I promise you, I would be driving around the country with pink ribbons on a black truck and talking about breast cancer. I mean, I just want other people to do what I'm doing in their cause. And then, then it'll all be, it's, it's been worth it. But if I can see that happen, then I'll know the whole idea about this Team Snack community and, and you know, providing help for others and just thinking outside the box, thinking outside the box is fun. It's just, when you do things you never thought you could do, it's, it makes you feel so good. Yeah. Just, that's the best way I can describe it. I agree. I, and I, I feel like I, I feel like I know what you're talking about. There's, there's times where I feel exactly the same way you've just described and, and I can't, I can't, I don't know that there's a way for me to, to impress upon people enough that if they could follow your lead, I, it, it does bring you a feeling that you just, it's hard to put into words and it definitely, it definitely enriches your life. So I, I, I wholeheartedly am behind what you're saying. I think everybody should, uh, should try to find this in their life somehow, but I really appreciate that you're doing this and we are really right up against an hour already. I can't believe we, uh, we, we, we got there so quickly. I really enjoyed talking to you and, and I don't even think I said anything and I was still, I, I was listening. I, I think I was listening to the podcast sometimes while you were talking. I was like, wow, this is great. Um, just because it was hard to believe most of the time, you know, if I didn't know it, if so many people hadn't contacted me and told me about it, I just, I don't know if I would have believed it. You know what I mean? So I'm going to, we'll put links to your Facebook page into the, to the show notes and, and on the, the blog post that's going to have the, you know, the podcast up wins. When is the next time you'll be riding somewhere? I mean, today is, I don't usually talk about dates on the podcast, but today's August 26th. And right. When's the well, next time you I've go? got um, three fundraisers, actually seven days um, that are going to be, they're going to be great. And then I, um, on the 8th of September, I fly to Lake Tahoe and the ride out there is, well, this will be my third time now out there, and it's 73 miles around the lake. And so I'll be doing a ride there, and then I leave again. Um, basically, the whole month of October, I'll be gone to um, doing these events around the country and doing the three rides in uh, California and South Carolina and Florida. But and people can find those where those rides are on your Facebook page? Well, they can find um, – yeah, they can go on the JDRF Ride to Cure page. Okay. Um, they can – you know, see where the dates of them and, and where they're at. But there's basically one in Death Valley, California, and one in um, Greenville, South Carolina, and then Amelia Island are the uh, events. But as far as the other events and stuff, places where I'm going to have them, we'll be um, letting people know. Like, I know the ones, like I said, in Billings, Montana, and one's, I think it's Corona, California, and then Lexington, South Carolina, and then trying to find something in Florida. And then I obviously have one set up in Tucson already when I go back there in November. But that's when I would encourage anybody that wants to come out and if you don't believe me, and by now, you, I mean, you're probably never going to believe me, but I would love to let you uh, listen to my story, and um, I'd love to meet you. I mean, every time I see a smile, it just makes it worth it to drive. It doesn't matter. I mean, I get the whole my rest of my life to do this. I'm very excited about it. Well, Kat, I am going to I am going to break my protocol, and I am going to put this show up on Tuesday. And so I want to see how many people we can get to come up to you at that next ride and say hello. So I, oh, I'd like uh, to, to, be I'd awesome. like to see I, I will meet you. Oh, I mean, um, I felt bad now that when I was in New York, first time my life was there, that you know I know it was in your area. But we will make this happen. Uh, it's beautiful. I, I that would be really fantastic. And I, I just, I want to, I want people to give you some smiles. So I, 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 I can't wait. I'm gonna, we're gonna try to pump every person at that ride over to you. So, and they'll, and they'll have no trouble finding you. You know, what, well, I need you to send me a picture of your truck so I can include it in the. Uh, in the blog post so people know what they're looking for. I will. And like I said, um, I, I'll just email you some pictures and um, 
Just, I can't wait to you know, get a chance to meet you, and uh, I would love to send you and your family some shirts, so if you just send me sizes and an address, I will get those out to you this week. Oh, you're wonderful. It really is. Jeez, Ken. All right, listen, you're, you, I, I, I'm, I genuinely don't feel like I've done enough now today, and, and so I, <laughs> you've got me pretty motivated, I have to say. Um, I, really, I really appreciate you coming on. I'm going to say goodbye to you, but then I'm going to, if you'll hold on for one second, I have a question for you. Okay. Yeah, I just... I want to end this the way I end all my videos I do on my Facebook page. Sure. I just say I'm 61 years old. You know, I love you all and I won't quit. Hey, don't forget to check out Kent on Facebook. Team Snack. C-H-C-C-S. Scott, come on. Unbelievable. Team Snack. S-C-H-N-A-K. I'm double checking it right now. S-C-H-N-A-K. Team Snack. You'll find him on Facebook. I'll have links in the uh at juiceboxpodcast.com also or on my Facebook page for Arden's Day or for the Juicebox Podcast. You can check out my type 1 diabetes blog, ardensday.com. You can subscribe to the podcast. If you came here through Kent's Facebook page or this is your first time listening to the podcast, please hit subscribe in whatever app you're using. That would be really fantastic. Um, Gotta be something else, right? I don't know. We should just leave it here. I think it's good. Oh, thank you, Omnipod, for sponsoring this episode of the Juicebox Podcast. Yay, Omnipod. Get your free, no-obligation demo pod today by Omnipod.com forward slash demo or the links in your show notes. Support the Juicebox Podcast. Get a free demo pod. Give it a whirl.